everybody. Welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we're going to be diving deep into the story of Millie Vanilli, the band that had a couple of hit songs, but most notoriously their song, Girl You Know It's True, became a worldwide smash hit. They did not actually sing their own music. They were, in every sense of the word, fakes. The problem is we've always blamed the two lead men, Fabrice Morvan and Rob Pilatus. Would it be surprising if I told you that Rob and Fabrice were just as innocent in the situation? But it was all contrived. It was all fake from the get-go. And Rob and Fabrice, they had no say over their own music. They fell into a whole shitstorm of publicly being shamed and humiliated for the rest of their lives for the fact that they lip-synced on all of their music. But it didn't start off completely in the wrong way. So let's get started with who Fabrice Morvan is, who Rob Pilatus is, and how they even got together. So Fabrice Morvan was born in 1966 in Paris, France. He moved at 18 to Germany, where he was a dancer and a model predominantly. And then Rob Pilatus, he was born in Munich, West Germany, on June 8th in either 1964 or 65. It's unsure what year he was born in, but he spent his first four years in a Bavarian orphanage before he was adopted by a Munich family. He stated he was an outsider as a child in Germany, and after leaving his adoptive home as a teenager, Rob worked as a model and a break dancer to kind of earn a little bit of money. He appeared as a backing singer with this group called Wind at the 1987 Eurovision Song Contest in Brussels. The band that he was a part of for Eurovision actually finished in second place. They weren't actually that bad. They were pretty decent. So Rob and Fabrice, they are now in Munich, and they met during a dance seminar at a club. The two bonded over their similar experiences growing up in various European cities, and also because they were two black men living in Germany. There weren't a whole lot of black children growing up in the neighborhoods that they lived in, respectively in Paris and in Germany. They had to kind of find their own ways through life, and so the two of them came together and they were fast friends. Rob would say, something clicked between us. Maybe it's because we're both black people who grew up in foreign cities that don't have too many blacks. So while they were together in Munich, they attempted to find work as backing singers. They then formed their own act and recorded an album for a small German label that sold a few thousand records. They moved in together, already dreaming of stardom. Fabrice would say about Rob, he was my older brother. I didn't speak German very well. He was my protector in many senses, which is very nice, very sweet. Despite their steady focus on fame, they struggled with poverty. So they weren't living in the greatest of areas and they were struggling to make ends meet. Rob would say, we lived in a project. We had no money. We wanted to be stars. Rob and Fab both continued moving into music and were noticed by German music producer Frank Farian. Frank Farian already was very famous because there is a song that every single person knows. Frank had his fingers in the pot in that song. The song Rasputin about, you know, obviously the historical figure Rasputin. That was done by the group Boney M and he put that band together. Frank already had a song under his belt that he was working on called Girl You Know It's True. So he heard this song that was originally done by another artist in Germany who was just kind of trying to make ends meet 
and he was working at a gas station, but he had recorded this song, Girl, You Know It's True. And when Frank heard this song, he thought to himself, I can make this song my own and I can make it better and I can make it a smash hit. He essentially kind of copied and pasted the song, if you will, but he tried to make it his own and he found some singers that he thought sounded great, but they didn't have the right image to front the band that would be the the leaders for this single. So he went looking and he was going to different talent agencies, trying to find actors and models to, you know, try out for this group. He didn't have the name Millie Vanilli yet, but he just knew he wanted some kind of group. So that's when he found Rob and Fab. So he invited Rob and Fab into his Frankfurt studio to listen to Girl, You Know It's True. So Rob would recall, we got a call to come to his studio and we said, all right, that's it. We're just dumb little kids. So we said, let's go. When we got to the studio, Girl, You Know It's True was just a demo and he asked us our opinion of it and if we could sing it. And we said, yeah, we could sing it. And he said, oh, beautiful. I believe it. But next week we have shows to do. So don't worry. I'll make you into a millionaire. He really was doing them dirty from the beginning because he already had singers in mind for the song. And also when he was auditioning, if you will, Robin Fab, when he heard them sing for the first time, he was not interested at all in how they sang. So he kind of slipped them to the side. So Fab and Rob, they signed a contract with him. And they signed it without understanding the terms and conditions, and they did it without a lawyer. One would say that's a really negligent thing to do. You always want to make sure that whatever you're signing, you understand it, which is extremely fair. How could an 18-year-old really know and understand the ins and outs of the music industry that they're trying to get into? You know, they are trusting this guy, Frank, to kind of help them. While they didn't really understand what they were signing, they felt some sort of okay confidence in what Frank was telling them. So they signed this contract on January 1st, 1988. And they were, of course, crushed when Frank refused to let them sing on Girl, You Know It's True. Frank would say this of the two guys. These two guys came into the studio, they recorded, but they didn't have enough quality. Those that actually sang Girl, You Know It's True were Charles Shaw, John Davis, Brad Howell, and twin sisters Jody and Linda Rocco. Robin Fabrice obviously knew he's not using our vocals on this track. Frank was only assuring them, oh, it would just be for this one song. Don't worry about anything else in the future. It's just gonna be this one song. So what they did was the single obviously was released. They came under the name Millie Vanilli. So how they came up with the name Millie Vanilli, it was Frank that did it. He took Millie from the nickname of his then girlfriend, and then he added Vanilli to it to sound like this British band called Scritty Politti. So by May of that year, 1988, Rob and Fab were touring Spain, France, and Italy, where they were playing Girl, You Know It's True, and they were, of course, lip-syncing to the pre-recorded track. This is what Rob said. We would ask Frank, when are we going to be allowed to give some artistic input? And he would say, yeah, yeah, but right now we need you to go out and do promotion. Of course you'll get to do it. Just work with us. That's how he strung us along, Rob said. So he really was like breadcrumbing these two young guys into playing along with the charade. And obviously that's an extremely hard thing that your conscious has to accept, that you know you're being fake to everybody and you know that you're not the one singing on the record. But I mean, it got them the notoriety and the fame that they wanted, but at a price. That's the thing about this. It got them what they wanted, but at a price that cost them everything. 
After Girl You Know It's True took off in Germany in the summer of 1988, Frank produced and wrote most of the material for their debut album entitled All or Nothing, which was released in Europe in November of that year. Rob would say, After Frank released the album, he told us that it was too late to stop now. Because the single was such a big success, he said, Now you have to go through with it. I'll cover you guys. Nobody will find out. He didn't really care about them, honestly. He kind of just mostly cared about the money and the notoriety he would get. And Fab and Rob were thrown under the bus immediately. And these guys knew that this was wrong. They were lip syncing to now an entire album of material. Instead of just being one song, now it's a full album's worth of songs that they'd have to lip sync on stage whenever they had to play. Frank also told them, here, I'll give you $20,000 advance money. Rob would continue saying, we never had a hit before, so we went along with it. We played with fire, and now we know, but it's too late. By December of that year, Rob and Fab had come to the realization that neither of their actual voices would ever be heard on any Millie Vanilli tracks. Rob made it extremely obvious that his speaking voice was the total opposite of the American tone of voice that was being sung on the song. These guys were European, and the people that were singing were American. Rob told Rolling Stone, Everybody asked me if I sing on this record. Even my mother asked me. I'm a very proud person, and this is embarrassing. I have to go through this again and again until I get cancer in my stomach and die. The debut album, All or Nothing, was expanded and repackaged to be titled Girl You Know It's True for American audiences, and it released in March of 1989 in America. It was indeed a major success, producing five singles, including Girl You Know It's True, and it entered the top five of the Billboard Hot 100. Three of the singles, Baby Don't Forget My Number, Blame It on the Rain, and Girl I'm Gonna Miss You, went to number one. It's always really challenging for European bands to make it over into America and to get into that kind of market because that's really where you, I think, would want to go to get even more fame and popularity, right? Because there's only so much that you can do in your own home country. But in America, it's it always gets just so much bigger. So the first public sign that the group was lip-syncing to American audiences on MTV at the Lake Compounds theme park in Bristol, Connecticut, on July 21st, 1989. As they performed, there was an issue, a tech issue, of the recording, and it kept repeating the girl you know it's true part over and over and over and over and over again. And here's an audio clip explaining exactly what happened. It stopped. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. 80,000 people. Girl, you know it's girl, you know. You know, I couldn't repeat it 15 times, so I stopped. I panicked. I ran off stage. Julie Brown, who used to work for MTV, ran after me. I didn't want to go back to stage. I had enough. 80,000 people waiting. I said, I have enough. I quit. Despite the unfortunate mishap, the audience seemed to neither care or even notice what was going on, and so the concert continued as if nothing unusual had happened. But according to everyone that was there, no one really noticed, honestly. Unlike the international release of their debut album, the inserts for the American version explicitly gave the vocal attribution to Robin Fab, which was definitely not true. This prompted main singer Charles Shaw to reveal to the press in December of 1989 that he was one of the three actual vocalists on the album and that Rob and Fab were nothing but imposters. There's no coming back from this. For this to be revealed now is absolute detrimental 
to their future success. Frank Farian reportedly paid Charles Shaw $150,000 to roll back his statement. But in January 1990, the album, the American album, Girl, You Know It's True, was certified six times platinum after spending six weeks on the Billboard Top 200. It spent 41 weeks in the top 10 of the Billboard Top 200 and 78 weeks on the charts overall. It was also certified diamond in Canada, denoting sales of over a million. Millie Vanilli won the Best New Artist Award at the 32nd Grammy Awards, as well as three awards at the 17th American Music Awards. And the really ironic thing about this is when they got their Grammy, they performed at the Grammys, but they were lip syncing on the Grammys. I just think that's just so wrong. But they were in too deep to turn around now, so they had to keep on going as if nothing was wrong. Fab and Rob were the scapegoats who took the fall for everybody, but the one that needed to really be put at the forefront of the criticism was their record producer, Frank Farian, 1000%. He was the one that started this, and he actually got away scot-free, honestly. They wanted to sing on the record, they wanted to use their own voice on the record, but Frank would not allow them, he wouldn't even allow them any creative input. They didn't deserve the slander and the bullying, I think, that they got back in the day. Although I I can see that people were upset. Fab would say, it's like when you watch those mob movies and the feds have a chart on the wall with the faces. They go down from the top. You got this dude. He's the boss. Then this guy's a capo. That guy's a worker. But the journalists never saw that. They just said, Rob and Fab, you're responsible. Nobody wanted to touch the powers that be. Because of growing public questions as to who sang in Milli Vanilli, as well as Fab and Rob's demand to Frank that they be allowed to sing on their next album, on November 14th, 1990, Fab announced that he had fired them and confessed they did not sing on the record. Rob would say this about it. He said, I feel like a mosquito being squeezed. The last two years of our lives have been a total nightmare. We've had to lie to everybody. We are true singers, but that maniac Frank Farian would never allow us to express ourselves. The following week, the National Academy of Recording Artists and Sciences revoked Millie Vanilli's Grammy Award for Best New Artist. Rob and Fab gave a press conference for more than 100 journalists in Los Angeles where they stated their willingness to return their Grammy. Millie Vanilli also said that they had made a deal with the devil and they sang and rapped for the room in order to prove that, although they hadn't sung on their records, that they could in fact sing. So they tried their best to kind of make it right and to own up like, yeah, we were not actually who we said that we were. Unfortunately, though, this led to lawsuit upon lawsuit. Lawsuits were filed under various U.S. consumer fraud protection laws against Arista Records, the record company that owned them and Robin Fab themselves. One such filing occurred on the 22nd of November 1990 in Ohio, where lawyers filed a class action lawsuit asking for refunds on behalf of a local woman who had bought Girl You Know Is True. When the suit was filed, it was estimated at least 1,000 Ohio residents had bought the album. So literally, people from the woodwork were like, I bought this album under the pretense that it was a real album, and now that I know that it's not real, I want my money back. On the 12th of August, 1991, a proposed settlement of a refund lawsuit in Chicago was rejected. This settlement would have refunded buyers of Milli Vanilli CDs, cassettes, records, and singles, which they would be broke. The refunds would only be given as credits for future Arista releases. 
On the 28th of August, a new settlement was approved. It refunded those who attended concerts as well as those who bought Milli Vanilli recordings. An estimated 10 million buyers were eligible to claim a refund, and they could keep the refunded recordings. The refund deadline passed on March 8th, 1992. I would consider it to be a very historical album. I would keep that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that out. I, if you have an original, I'd keep it, honestly. Fab and Rob would end up moving to Los Angeles permanently and signed with the Joss Entertainment Group. Sandy Gallen was now their manager, and they recorded the album called Rob and Fab, which was financed by Taj Records in 1992 and released by Joss Entertainment in 1993. So they were trying to make a comeback. They were like, okay, we understand that we did not sing on our first album, but now under new management, Frank Farian isn't here. We want to sing on our own record, and we want to show you guys that we actually have the talent. However, due to financial constraints, they weren't able to release the album everywhere. They were only able to release it in the United States. The single, We Can Get It On, was made available for radio play shortly before the album's release. But unfortunately, the lack of publicity, poor distribution of the album contributed to Rob and Fab, the album's failure. It sold only 2,000 copies. I, and if you have an original of that album, for sure keep that because there's, there's only 2,000. I don't know how much they go for on like eBay or something, but if you have one, keep it. So after this unfortunate non-starter comeback that they attempted to have, which didn't work out for them, Rob and Fab spent time apart. In 1996, Rob served three months in prison for an assault, vandalism, and attempted robbery. Frank Farian paid for Rob to spend six months in a drug rehab program before returning to Germany from the U.S. Fab went to Amsterdam and tried to reboot his entire life, resolving to prove himself as a real artist. So he actually had somewhat of a okay, successful solo music career because he could sing. They both could sing. And he also uh, started a family as well. So he was doing okay. However, Rob really, really, really took the, the fact that they were being slandered and bullied very viciously in the press and by everybody, their fans, literally. He couldn't take it anymore. Fab tried to like take it on the chin and be like, okay, well, that was that, but now I'm gonna do my own thing. Rob couldn't do that. Rob really fell into drugs extremely hard and obviously you know, living a life of like petty crime because he just was so visibly upset and shaken by what had happened. Fab recalls one of the last times that he saw Rob alive. It was outside of the famed Viper Room nightclub in Hollywood, California. At this time, I believe it was owned by Johnny Depp at this time. And I think everyone knows that the Viper Room is most famous for uh, actor River Phoenix's passing. It was it was a good club though. You know, it was a very popular club. It was the it was the happening club at the time. So Fab was there and he saw Rob there. Fab said, I see a dude stumbling across the way. As he was falling, his body turned and I look into his eyes and I was like, Oh my god, this is not true. I'm looking at Rob Pilatus. So he saw Rob like almost at happenstance at the Viper Room, and he saw that he was strung out, he was not doing good at all. So he took Rob home to what appeared to be a crack house, unfortunately, where he was living. Rob and Fab tried their best to kind of, again, jumpstart some kind of comeback. They were featured in an interview of VH1's Behind the Music in 1997, 
and to restore their careers the best that they could. Frank agreed to produce a new Millie Vanilli album with Fab and Rob on lead vocals in 1997, leading to the recording of the 1998 comeback album, Back and in Attack. Rob encountered a number of personal problems during the production of the album. He turned to drugs and crime, committing a series of assaults and robberies, and he was sentenced to three months in jail and six months in a drug rehab in California. So it was never really meant to be. Tragically, on April 3rd, 1998, Rob was found dead from an alcohol and prescription drug overdose in a hotel room near Frankfurt, Germany. His death was ruled accidental and the album has never been released. I'd be curious to hear those demo tapes, though. What would they sound like? It's unfortunate that they were just shelved or thrown away, because I think you could still release it posthumously if there is still physical evidence of the album being stored somewhere in a studio somewhere. That is absolutely tragic that Rob just could never get over what he did. He had so much guilt, you know, in his conscience, and he could never really escape the demons that haunted him in this situation. Fab would say this, there was bullying by everybody, but why so badly that you killed someone? They killed my dude. That's what they did by the way they treated us. He died of a broken heart. He really did. So while Rob Pilatus has been dead since 1998, Fab is still alive and well. He still has a somewhat successful solo music career and he keeps the memories of Millie Vanilli alive. I really had to do an episode on Millie Vanilli because it's just such a shame that those two guys just couldn't have the nice, wholesome music career that they wanted. They had to be thrown to the sharks almost immediately by signing a deal with the devil under the name of Frank Farian. And this guy was just swindling them for everything. Even though he did make them somewhat kind of millionaires, if you will, all the lawsuits that happened and the refunding of people's money and the giving back of their Grammy award and then them not really having successful careers after that, Rob falling into drugs. So unfortunately, that is the tragic story of Millie Vanilli. I hope that you guys enjoyed and learned something new today that you hadn't known about before. Check the links in the description for all of my information. There is an Instagram account where you can follow the podcast on there for updates. Also, if you would like to support the podcast monetarily in any way, there are links to that in the description as well. Um, so thank you guys very much for listening. I hope that you guys have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time on another episode of On The Mix. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye guys.